Hi, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 160. Is it 160? I don't know what number it is. You don't know? Oh my gosh, I have to double check you guys. I know it's coming up on three years. I know that. It is 160. Uh, So happy new year. And today on the podcast for episode 160, the first episode of 2019, I am joined with my wonderful husband, Glenn Hine. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Great to be back. Yes. You were a guest on the show, episode 44. Probably one of the best guests of the early uh, 50s would be my guess. Well, I'm kind of, probably, but I'm kind of frustrated because that episode, uh, the sound quality was so bad. And I think that it had the potential to be a really great episode. But if you go back, it's like almost unlistenable because the audio is so bad. Well, now here's a chance for everybody to meet me all over again. I know. We're going to redeem the episode. So if you haven't listened and you want to get to know Glenn, my husband, a little bit better, go back to episode 44 of the podcast. I thought it would be fun to have him on the show for the first episode of the new year. I actually, believe it or not, do get a lot of requests to have Glenn on as a guest. I think it was my idea. To do you for the first year? Yeah. (laughs) To do you for the first of the year? Well, we could do that too, but that's <laughs> probably not safe for work. Uh, NFSW. Oh, boy. Um, we don't want to get the explicit rating on iTunes. No, that would be bad. So, yeah. And also, just with the holidays and everything, it was kind of hard to nail down stuff. And so we thought, let's do this. And then I'll, I'm recording an, a new episode on Thursday, and I've got some awesome interviews booked for the rest of January. But we thought this would be fun. And, you know, I have a Facebook group. And everybody has to request a guest when they join the group. And I do get your name pop up quite a bit. Here I am. Here you are. Uh, I'm trying to think who else I get pop. Emma Emma Coburn, Shalane Flanagan. You're you're up there with the likes of these elite women. That seems about right. Glenn Hine and Emma Coburn and Shalane Flanagan. That seems about right. I'm a little easier to get a hold of probably. You are. You're a lot easier to get a hold of. So let's go ahead and I'm just going to, in case there's any new listeners who don't know you, I'm going to, we're going to kind of do like a get to know Glenn section here. Uh, Because a lot of people hear my voice on the side of the podcast where I'm interviewing people and asking questions and conversations, but they hear glimpses of our life quite a bit as well. So people want to know Glenn. And by the way, people, you can know Glenn a lot better if you support the show on Patreon because Glenn and I record monthly episodes over there. So those of you who are supporting over there, first of all, thank you so much. But second of all, you all already know all this about you can Glenn. Hear, you can hear everything about me <laughs> and things you don't even want to know. Yep. He is uh, over there on Patreon monthly. So... Actually, last year on Patreon, we recapped your Boston training. Remember that? At, oh, after the race? No, we re- oh, recapped. Yeah, well, we recapped your we training. We kind of did like a uh, segment where we would talk about it once a month or every couple weeks. Yeah. And then we did like a post-Boston recap yeah, as well. Yeah. I was probably using the wrong word like I do when I said re- <laughs> Boston training recap. Just, just go with it. <laughs> I should just own those things. But yeah, so and it's actually kind of fun because this year we'll be doing we'll be talking about my Boston training on Patreon. 
but Glenn, okay. So I'm going to kind of uh, interview you just a little bit here. Are you uncomfortable with that? No, I'm not. So Glenn and I met in college at IU. This is going to be like, can I remember what happened? No. Oh, okay. But I just kind of want to give, we won't make this very long because people can go back and listen, but. Okay. uh, I I always like to ask my guests, um, how did you meet your spouse or significant other question? So people might find it interesting, but we met at IU and I, we worked at the village deli together. Yeah. And Glenn is from Crown Point, Indiana. I'm from Bloomington. So we both, we were going to school at IU, which is my hometown, by the way. Yeah, you were a townie. I was a waitress and Glenn flipped the pancakes and the when you, fir- when you first met me, I was on the toast. You were on the toast. Yeah. This was recapped in episode 44, but we'll yeah. kind of tell the story real quick. I thought Glenn was cute, but I kind of just thought he went to IU and dropped out of school and was just there. You go. I was going to say you're going to add in the dropout part. Yeah, because a lot of people that worked at the Village Deli or places like people would come down to college and come down to IU for college, and then they would start party, and then they'd get a job at a restaurant and like not finish their degree or whatever. And I there were a lot of people in that situation at the Village Deli, uh-huh. if I remember correctly. There was a decent amount, yeah. Also, a lot of students too. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know anything about Glenn. But the story is, is that his parents came into the village deli to support their son, like good parents do when they were in town. And they asked me to send him out to say hello. And I was their waitress. And I came in <laughs> the kitchen. Oh, you came in the kitchen and just blared, who's Glenn? Who's Glenn? <laughs> Where's Glenn? Yeah. Glenn's on the toast. Yeah. So. Anyway, then I made the connection that his parents were normal and thus he might be a normal guy. Oh, at that point, you did you like realize that I may have been in school and not be like a dropout? I don't know what I thought. And I, this yeah. was early, though. That would have been probably like February. Yeah, we weren't dating yet. No, I, huh. I don't even know if you were on my radar, actually. Probably not. <laughs> Uh, but I, I wasn't did, I wasn't cool enough to get invited to your parties. I know that. But I do remember being like, oh, that guy, his parents are like normal people. There you go. <laughs> That's so bad. Uh, so anyway, long story short, we started dating about five, six months later and over that summer. And um, I tried to break up with Glenn about a month after we started dating. And it basically boils down to he wouldn't let me break up with him. Yep. That's. It's an abusive relationship, you guys. You had no good reason to. Yeah. So uh, we got married three years later. Was it three years? Yeah. That sounds... Yeah, I'm going to say that's right. Yeah, that's right. We got engaged two years after we graduated and married three years later. So we were both about 25. I was turning 25 and you were 25. I was already 25. We were so young. And I remember you... I feel like you were kind of nervous about proposing because you thought your sisters would think you were too young. Well, yeah, I was 25 and I had two older sisters that weren't uh, engaged and were married yet. So and they like lived in Chicago yeah. and they probably thought, what is happening? Why are you proposing to this girl already? Yeah, nobody cared though. I'll tell you what though. It's intimidating to meet someone's sisters. Like you're dating a guy and you have to meet three sisters. That's a lot of sisters to meet. They're very opinionated. Yeah, I, they can be kind of over- overpowering. I know it's kind of funny to think about what 
what were those comp? Because now, so. Oh, I bet there were a lot of phone calls to Peggy Hine oh, about, about Glenn's girlfriend. Right. <laughs> oh, I mean, because now I'm in it. Yeah. Like I'm in those conversations yeah. and I'm a part of the gossip and all the whatever. Oh, yeah. But like now I'm looking back and thinking, oh my gosh, like, and you had never really brought a girl home. No, uh-uh. you'd have been really the, probably the first. So like there were probably everybody was talking. Oh, can you imagine Megan after we went to dinner for her birthday or my birthday? Oh, she Indy. was on the phone with your mom oh, yeah. and your sisters, your mom <laughs> and Erica, at least like the second it was over. I'm oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you made me go to that dinner, by the way. I did. I didn't want to go by myself. Okay, so we started dating in like July and Glenn's sister was living up in West Lafayette, an hour north of Indianapolis. And so she was planning to come down and take him to dinner for his birthday. And he asked me probably 10 times if I would go with him to this dinner at the Cheesecake Factory uh-huh. in Indianapolis. We lived in Bloomington, so we went to IU. And I just, I did not want to go. I was like, please stop asking me to go. But I finally gave in because I felt like I had no good reason not to. This is true. And it was awkward and uncomfortable. Your sister was wearing a knitted, it was either Lacoste or Polo shirt. I know that. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So anyway, and now obviously I'm very close with your sister. And now you go on vacation with her. Yeah. Now we're very close, but uh looking into the family life now i'm like oh my gosh those conversations you were definitely getting phone calls about you oh yeah oh your mom was yeah. calling her friends oh, like yeah. this was all happening oh yeah what's up sure. with glenn's girlfriend glenn's got a girlfriend yep oh man it was probably the talk of the talk of not the town but like the the crown point circle that your family mm-hmm. involves themselves in. oh yeah there's a circle there oh yeah so anyway a lot of people also ask uh when did glenn start running Because if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard my story a little bit. You've probably heard me interviewed on other podcasts where I talk about I started running in high school. I was always a runner. I just ran for fun in college, not for a team or anything. Uh, But when Glenn and I met, he was um, living the party life in college. I was just being an enjoyable college student. Right. But you weren't running. No, no. I never never ran growing up or... uh... In college, I guess I played recreational sports. I played ba- basketball, baseball, soccer for a little bit. What and tell everybody what sport still has your heart? Probably basketball. Yeah, and our son Marshall really likes soccer. He does. He's well. Yeah, he does. And you, you can just tell Glenn die a little bit inside every no, time when Marshall no. complains about playing basketball. Well, he complains about a lot of things. He's a complainer for sure. Yeah, because he does, he'll complain because it doesn't come like naturally to him. And he's like, well, I'm not good at it. I don't want to play anymore. Yeah, we got to figure that out. He did that at the beginning of soccer, though, too. He did that in his first little soccer season. The, sec- the second season, he, so he played like indoor, they call it futsal or something? Foosball. 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 Futsal. Futsal. Yeah. Futsal. It's basically indoor soccer on a basketball court. All right. Well, he played that, and he was still pretty young. He was five. No, he was five. Yeah, he played that last winter. And, he, yeah, he wasn't – there were kids that had obviously been playing for a couple years, so he didn't really know what he was doing. But then when he played last fall, he was really good. Yeah. Like, be, besides uh, his friend Jude on the team, he's probably the second best kid on the team. And he's very fast. Like, he can – he runs up and down that field. He runs laps around these kids. Um, but so he said he wanted to try basketball this this 
winter. So we were like, okay, you can do one or the other. We're not, we are not taxing people around to million different sports. You can play indoor futsal or you can play basketball. So he chose basketball and he's not as good as he is at soccer. And he didn't like that. Yeah. There was a lot of dead time in that basketball league. Yeah. Maybe it was not kind as, of a tough, it was kind of a tough league, but not as organized as it could. I'm going to make him do one more year at least. Yeah. He needs to keep trying. Yeah. Um, and maybe we do it somewhere else. I don't know. But anyway, Glenn's love is basketball. Yes. Not running. Even though I love running now, but yeah, basketball. So basketball is your one true love sports wise. But in college, you decided to run a 5K because I was running a 5K. Yeah. That senior year. I well, I had started running a little bit before that to lose weight. You were like, oh, she's like kind of in shape i better i forget how we, well no we did it with your grandma we did the hoosiers outrun cancer yeah but I, I was already starting to to jog a little bit by then to try to lose some weight i do remember showing up at your house he lived in this house with like nine guys and i do remember showing up one time and you like just got back from a run and i was like you run i i had to start somewhere you were probably huffing and puffing oh, I, I wish i could go back and like see myself or like remember what that was like but yeah it's crazy. I don't know what spurred spurred it on. I mean, because I guess we had probably started, we're dating for a little bit. It was probably subconsciously, I was like, I need to get like in shape because I need to get a job. So I need to not look like a slob <laughs> when I'm interviewing for jobs. And and this this is like, it's not even about weight. It's just like you were not healthy like you weren't in shape either like you no yeah you i were was just eating like crap and i being probably a college student. i don't remember what we what i weighed when we started dating probably 200 and 30. i probably already lost some weight by then i think my heaviest in college was what 240 something like that yeah and he hits like 165 on average now yeah around there give or take. i got a couple winter lbs on me right now <laughs> give or take five pounds yeah depending on what's going on uh but anyway, so so he run. We do Hoosiers not run cancer. You actually beat me, I think. I did, and I walked. And you walked. I beat you with a walk. You beat me with a walk. Yeah, which is weird. You must have like really sprinted the first mile and a half. I'm sure I went out way too fast. Uh, but then you the next year did the mini marathon with me. That yeah. So for graduation, we did the mini. Your parents came down, wore T-shirts. Yeah. And, uh, then from then on, like we pretty much just like ran the mini every year until we signed up for our first marathon. Yeah. We ran the mini. I'm trying to think if we did any other halves, but yeah, it was pretty much just the mini. And, uh, then you were, no, you were trying to do the marathon without me. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do, you're I'm not going to let you just go do the marathon. You're trying to do it with Brooke Langley. Yeah. So, well, no, long story short, we ran our first marathon the summer we got married. Yeah. We got married. We bought a house. We ran a marathon. And I beat Glenn by 10 minutes because. You were a better runner than me. That, but also like we came to find out we think your iron was a little bit low already at the time. Oh, I don't know that that mattered. Okay. I was just better. Yeah. Let's just put. <laughs> you were a better runner. Yeah. I said it. Okay. So, but we trained together. Like we trained, we did all of our runs together pretty mm -hmm. much. Uh, but at that race, that was San Diego rock and roll. I decided I wanted to qualify for Boston and we lost each other. About mile 17, I had to pick up a granola bar that you dropped. And because you were so fatigued, you couldn't pick it up. Why we were eating granola bars, I don't know. Because that's what you do when you're a first-time marathoner. Yeah. And I had, like, all the energy in the world. I was, like, running backwards, like, getting your granola bar. And I was just like, look, 
we can slow down to a 10 minute mile together or I can keep running as hard as I can and qualify for Boston. So what did you, what did I run? 349? Well, back then the standards for Boston was only 340 and I ran 339.52. Yeah. So then I must've ran a 349. Yes. Or 351 or something like that. Something like that. All I know is I remember crossing the finish line and I was like in tears because I was so exerted and feeling crazy. And I just wanted to find you. And I'm like, where is he? I was chugging along, wanting to be done. You're back at mile 24.5. Yeah. Oh, man. That sucked. And I I think I went to the bathroom before you finished. I don't know. I was like, where is he? Is he? Did he die? Like the worst. (laughs) The picture is so funny. So bad. Your your finish line picture is hilarious. Do we have that still? Yeah, you're raising your arms like you just like. You should put that in the show notes. Yeah, I know. And you're wearing shorts that are like down to your knees. Oh, I remember the Under Armour blue and white ones. Yeah, they're they're quality. They're so long. They're, They're some quality joggers. I still have my. I had Under Armour shorts too. I still have those shorts and they're really, they were big like compared to the shorts I yeah. wear now. And I love them because I wear, I always wear them during my pregnancy. Yeah. I, I know. I know what shorts you're the talking about. The green ones yeah. and I have them in blue too. Yeah. The green ones get a lot more wear though. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the story there is I qualified for Boston, had to sign up because I just had to. And you were like, if you're going to do Boston, I have to do a marathon. Yeah. Because you couldn't handle me doing a second one and you not. Yeah, so what I did... Uh, Even though we hated our lives. Like, we were like, that was awful. Yeah, we signed up. Or no, we probably... I probably goaded you into signing up for Boston. I was like, you have to sign up, if I remember correctly. I kind of, like, pressured you into doing it. Yeah, and so so San Diego Rock and Roll was... But in, you didn't. we didn't sign up until after the new year. Yeah, you didn't... It was like not... Boston was, like, not as big Not what thing. it was, This yeah. was 2008. I ran yeah. in 2009. yeah. That, so our marathon was June. I ran Boston in, in April, and then mm-hmm. you ran uh, the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby, Derby the next month, and you had an awful race there. Yeah. you. I don't know if you broke four hours. I did. I snuck in under four hours. Okay, because I remember being that like- That was my worst marathon. I ran with you for a little bit, and I remember being like, uh, saying something about, don't you want to break four hours, or don't you want to at least beat what I ra- my time I ran in Boston? And you were like- <laughs> No, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> well, we did that like less. Uh, what was the, the run less run faster? Yeah, we did that. And if I remember right, I so I was working at Pro. I'm pretty sure the day before I ate like a bunch of like brownies and ice cream at K at work and stuff. It was it was real high quality stuff. And the run less run faster was not good for us because you're supposed to cross train a lot when you do that, and we didn't cross train a lot. I just didn't want to run a lot. And so I was like, well, I'll just run three days a week. I wish I had my mileage from back then, but I don't keep track of stuff like that. Thir- tra- 37 marathons later, here we are. Yeah. 30- I'm trying to think. I'm just trying to think when you decided that you could be fast because we kind of thought back then, like Glenn's oh, not going to qualify for Boston. See. Running's not really his thing. We ran a couple... Then did we, we ran like monumental then maybe in the fall together for fun on a whim. Like we hadn't trained at all. We yeah. Just, and I think, and I think we ran like three fifty. It was right under four hours. I mean, I don't think we've ever ran over four hours in a race. I've ran over four hours because not personally, I'm saying, Oh yeah. Cause I ran a marathon with James Boyd from back of my feet when I was six weeks pregnant, secretly, preg- secretly pregnant. Well, I didn't know I was pregnant. I like waited you were in the denial. Next day. Yeah. I was in denial. We all knew you were pregnant. <laughs> Everybody knew. Uh, <laughs> That was like four hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. And then uh, I ran 
my friend Brooke's first marathon with her in Green Bay, and we were I was trying to get her under three hours, and she we ran like a four oh two. So it would have been th- at that point, right? We ran um, we ran three marathons, like pr- pretty close together. Pretty close together. We ran St. Louis, Green Bay, and then I ran Charlevoix with Shane Dye. That's right, you ran Charlevoix. It was the it was the St. Louis race and the Green Bay race. I think I ran under like three thirty pretty comfortably. And I was like, oh, maybe I can actually like um, qualify, get faster and figure out what I'm doing. And then from there, I kind of just took off. Yeah, I think you actually ran like a 319 at Green Bay. I don't know. I'd have to look. And so so then the following spring, we signed up for the Piney Point Marathon. Yeah, that sounds right. And Glenn was like gung-ho on qualifying for Boston. I don't remember if we talked about this. I only would have had to run a 310. Yes. I don't remember if we talked about this in episode four, but that race was so funny because... Uh, they, the race, so it was this tiny race, like 160 people in the whole marathon. Was that in Maryland or Virginia? Uh, I think it was Maryland, Piney right? Point in Maryland. In Maryland, yeah. And it was a Boston quali- like certified qualifier or whatever course you could qualify, but there were no timing chips. So you had to be like on, if you- It was gun time. It was gun time. So you had to be on the line. And I, I didn't care because I was like- I'm just run. I was just running. I like tried to back out and say I was just running for fun mm-hmm. because I just started a new job at back of my feet. And I was like, I'm too stressed out to try to run fast. Um, but anyway, you and Glenn ended up running 305 on the dot. On the dot. And yeah. that was before they changed the standards to 305. It yeah. was still 310. And I ran a 324, had a race boyfriend like I do. Yeah, you like to do that. And uh, I got third place. You did. I, you, I think you won cash. I too. won a hundred bucks. Yeah. And we had, they were, they had like that sweet post-race meal with the masacholi and all that stuff. Yeah, it oh, was, was like, great. it was such a, it was such I a mean, cool. I mean, was there maybe what, like 200 people in that race? I, I think it was 160, honestly. Yeah. Highest I've ever placed they, in a marathon. We just like lined up on, on this random road and they said, okay, ready? Go. One, two, three, go. <laughs> yeah, we were like running on these back roads with like cars flying by. Oh yeah, there was like an out and back to the shore. You go out to like to a cul-de-sac, come back, go to the other cul-de-sac. I wonder how that race is doing. I don't know. I think they've been around for a while. Hit me up if you've if you've ran it. Yeah. I want to hear from you. I remember that weekend I was freaking out because it was uh, daylight savings time. Of course you were freaking out. And we were losing an hour of sleep and I was so upset about about losing the hour of sleep. Oh gosh. (laughs) And we stayed at that creepy Howard, uh, that that creepy extended extended stay. stay. Yep. So anyway, he ran that 305 and uh, then when I was pregnant with... Because pe- people ask me, did Glenn run in college? Like, when did he start running? So this is why we're, I'm giving you guys this rundown. Uh, then when I was pregnant with Marshall, he decided I'm going to break three hours. And we went to Birmingham with my dad. We rode down in his RV and mm-hmm. he ran 256. Yeah. And it was freezing cold. Oh, so cold. I had to buy tights at the race expo. Yeah, because like who thinks you're going to be. So that was what, February of 2012, right? Yep. Yeah. It was I mean, it was like zero degrees. I want to say it was so cold. I don't know if it was that cold, but it was very, it was very cold. And it, we were in Birmingham. Yeah. So anyway, and then it, on on down from there, Glenn ended up running his two forty nine in two thousand fourteen. Is that right? Oh man, it's been that's, a, like, that's like a lifetime. We ago. only had one kid. I, I remember that because Lewis was born. And you were pregnant. I was pregnant. You, you preg- run all your best times when I'm pregnant. You're pregnant. So well, we, you're done being pregnant. So I guess maybe my best times are behind your me. Your time, your time is up. Which is fine. So that's Glenn's, uh, that's our, like, I feel like as quick as we can do your running history. If we, yeah, if we exclude all the ultras and all that stuff. 
forgot about that. That's yeah. kind of an important piece. Yeah, I've done I've done a couple ultras in my day. So yeah, there was another time in our lives where he was doing he did a couple fifties, a hundred K and an Iron Man. And an Iron Man, yeah. So the more kids you have, I think the more you realize that dedicating time to ultras and Ironmans is is difficult. I don't know. I so with an Ironman, I would agree. I don't know that I agree with like ultra marathoning. Anything up through, I would say the hundred k, I think is doable. I'm not saying it's not doable because I know, and Glenn can talk about this because I have zero desire to do that. I'm just saying I think I could do it. Well, Glenn says he runs similar, the same mileage marathon training as he does like a 50 yeah, mile. Yeah, it's the same. The difference though is you're not running as fast and you're running in the woods a lot. So it's a lot more time consuming even if you're running the same amount of miles. Because you got to think car time to get to the woods. You're running a lot slower in the woods. Whereas marathon training, you're kind of just like you can leave from the front door and if you're running 20 miles, you're going to be back in two and a half hours less than. Right, yeah, but even... It's maybe incrementally more time if you if we go to the trail, right? Well, yeah, because if you drive down to like Morgan Monroe, it's like forty five minutes to an hour away. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot more. There's a lot more steps involved with that. If I would take the time to go to Morgan Monroe, yeah, yeah, and you want to run on the trails a lot if you're going to go run a trail ultra. Yeah, at this point, I don't think that I would need that. I'm. I think I have enough technical experience i can get by with don't you want the incline training though i do that on the treadmill mm, big fan of those treadmills at the y put a thousand thousand feet in today okay it's called the free form i think free motion free motion those treadmills hit me up free motion to sponsor this podcast because i want one of those treadmills. But we need the we need one that doesn't have the stupid hold on bars well, the hold on bars, they're fine if they're like higher up. They just need to not be on there. You just need the deck. They put the hold on bars so that people have something to hold on to when they incline walk. They you, make them, you can remove those bars. Oh, well, you could just take them off? Yeah, because they get in my way. The So they have two different kinds of the Y. The one I was on today did They're both free motions. One's just a newer model. Yeah. The one, the newer model, the arms are more in the way than the old model. Yes. But if but I you was. You just need to like knock those arms if off. i was gonna buy a treadmill for the house which that is not in our budget to do right now but if i was going to that's the treadmill i would want or I, if you know somebody wants to sponsor sponsor me do like a couple episodes on the podcast yep, you there, know. give me a treadmill yeah it's, it's the free free motion free motion um so it's like gym grade stuff it's i mean it's a really good treadmill yeah so and it goes up really high and then also it goes down to negative three and decline Yes. It just feels so much more smooth than any other treadmill. Well, it's a really sturdy deck. It's a wide deck. And we are the Heinz over here. We are fans of treadmill running. Yeah, why not? Well, I, people, I think, well, they hate it because they think it's boring, but also I think people feel like it doesn't give them. Life's boring. Get used to it. Well, my life's not boring. Oh, you what know you what I mean. What you talking about? Oh, whatever. Uh, Says the girl who goes to bed at 830. <laughs> That's just because I don't know how many kids are going to wake me up and I have insomnia. But people are afraid that running on the treadmill doesn't mimic outside running quite as much as it could. And they don't think that they're getting as much out of it. Put a little put a little incline on that treadmill and crank it up. You'll be just fine. I know. You know who I... <laughs> My boy Brogan. I know. That's, that's what I was going to say. I know you're going to talk about Brogan. World's best name. Yeah. Brogan. 
Don't make fun of someone's name. Brogan could be a listener of this podcast. I love him. I love him. <laughs> we talk about him at work. What do you guys say? <laughs> we talk about Brogan. Okay. So Brogan, what's his last name? I don't know. Probably bro. <laughs> Brogan bro. <laughs> Brogan something or another. This is disrespectful. I feel like I should know his name. I know the woman, the woman's name who won. Uh, Lori Knowles. No, he won the monumental half marathon and then he went and won oh, CIM. He, yeah, yeah, he won the half. That's right. And then he went and won CMA. That's right. CIM. I've had Lori Knowles who won monumental and Emma Bates who won CIM on my podcast. Yeah. Not only do I know their names, I've had them on my show. So anyway, Brogan. I feel like it's Martin maybe. Well, anyway, he won the monumental half and then he went and won CIM and he lives in Iowa I believe I heard him on the Sidious Mag podcast and he does all of his hard workouts on the treadmill and look at him going out and running a 212 debut marathon just imagine if he ran outside all the time he'd be like a 204 marathoner (laughs) I don't think so so anyway yeah we are pro treadmill running for sure I, I don't I really don't understand why people dislike the treadmill I mean I I get the feeling like of of getting a good long hard run in outside and like testing yourself. Like if I'm gonna do a long run at marathon effort for some of the miles, I understand that. Yeah, but for the majority of like my weekday runs, if it's easier for me and I can get some reading in on my Kindle, I and and listen to my headphones as loud as I want without being scared about getting attacked or hit by a car, then I would prefer to go on the treadmill. Like yeah, like it was. 38 degrees and pouring rain yesterday. I had nothing to prove by going outside in the rain. I, oh, I would very, never run in that. Very happily ran on the treadmill yesterday. Yeah, that's why we need one of them free motions in our garage. Well, get get on it. <laughs> I know, for like five months or like, no, at least a year. We'll, we'll just will it into existence. If you talk about it enough, it'll happen. Well, I bet, I bet for over a year I've said, I need to reach out to them and send them my media kit, and I just keep forgetting to do it. So... Uh, anyway, hopefully we can get a discount code for listeners as well if we, if we do that. Uh, having one of those in the garage would be amazing though. So anyway, um, Glenn, I think that is kind of got everybody up to speed on your running history. There we go. So much for being a short recap. People like to ask me though, when, when did you figure out how to run fast and like work hard? Because, you know, there was a period of time there when your badass wife was beating you and that hasn't happened in a very long time and you got your marathon time down from a 248 to a 249 so 340 you mean you meant to say (laughs) strike that 349 to 249 yeah so what was the switch for you what did you how did you figure that out I mean it's a pretty boring answer but probably just consistency right yeah I mean season after season of running and um, figuring out that you can kind of put in more effort and building on top of it season after season. It's not exciting, but that's probably how I did it. Right. So that being said, I could probably run a 249 if I didn't have babies the past like six years, right? I think in three years you'll you'll (laughs) easily run sub 255. Yeah. That's crazy. No, it's not. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, let's let's break 311 first and and kind of go from there. You ran th- you ran 311 off of one pretty lackluster marathon cycle. No offense. It was really pretty la- pretty lackluster. You were kind of a baby about it. <laughs> um I think if you get in consistent seasons of training, 
you will very easily go under three hours and can probably push under 255. Yeah, if I, that's the thing. Like, I, I know I The look, question is, do you want to? I know. Do it I takes want, a lot of work. Do I want to work that hard? Right. Not right the second I don't. That's why for Boston, right. I'm it's just like, like getting my miles up and I'm going to be in shape to run a marathon. Um, Like, what was, so that was 2008. What's, oh, it's 2019 now. So in 2000, when did I run? 2013, 14. Yeah. You know, we had one kid running wasn't was more important in my life i know that's the problem at that point well the children will continue to get older it will get it'll get easier there will still be a lot of them though there's still a lot of them (laughs) yes there's still a lot but i think um they will not all be babies and or toddlers they will be in school most of them and you'll have more time to dedicate to running if that's what you choose to do i know you know i was thinking but if you choose not to do that it's not a big deal it doesn't define you it doesn't, but I, I do want to like test my abilities a little bit more. I mean, it's hard. It's hard because I've, I've thought about that a lot. And actually, um, I was just listening to somebody else on a podcast talking about this is like, is this the best use of my time right now? And training hard for a marathon is not always the best use of your time and energy. You know what I mean? It's like, I want to test my abilities and I want to get faster for sure. I'm not done. Uh, but sometimes when I'm stressed and tired and the kids are crazy and I want to focus more energy on work. I'm like, do I really need to go run 10 miles right now? I don't, I don't have to do anything. I could, I could go run for 45 minutes, five days a week and be in great shape and not have to be in fast marathon shape, you know? Yeah. So I think you just take a couple of years and it'll get there. Yeah. That's where I think you see people, they continue to like continually grind against it and grind against it, like at all costs instead of realizing maybe I should just kind of relax for a year or two and then come back to it. Yeah. But here I am running Boston and then, you know, I'm going to sign up for a fall marathon. That's fine. <laughs> okay. I know, but maybe this conversation is run, running, running a marathon versus like racing hard, quote, quote unquote, racing and training to your peak capacity are two very different things. This is true. I think for me, I feel good if I'm in, if I'm running enough that I can run a comfortable marathon, you know what I mean? Like where I can pick it up and just like go do it without injuring myself or being a fool about it. Like I feel good when I'm running enough miles throughout the week, not necessarily like a huge long run every single weekend, but enough miles throughout the week that I'm in shape to run a marathon. That that's a good feeling for me. So how's your training going? Great question. Yeah. What Uh, What are those miles at? I, I think my highest mileage week has been 27 miles, which for, you know, we're still like 15 weeks out or something like that. So like, that's okay. I won't peak out more than 40, 45 for Boston. So like if I'm at 27 now, that's perfectly fine. Um, I'm not someone that can run super high mileage, especially like ramping up after having a baby. Like if I wanted to be someone to run a lot of miles, it would have to be that season upon season where my body really gets used to running like 40, 50 miles a week consistently for a couple seasons. And then maybe I could like test the limits and push it up a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, I would say for Boston this year, max I would be running would be 40, 45 miles a week. Uh, and when I ran monumental last year in 2017, uh, ran my PR three eleven. Uh, I, I peaked out at 45 miles. I think that my biggest week was maybe 50, but like on average, maybe, yeah. on average, I would say my miles were more like 
high 30s, low 40s, um, which is a good, which is another good sign. Yeah, no, everything's looking good for you, I think. Um, and you know, it's funny, like I look back on the, my Strava, I, I go back and daydream like, oh, when I was in shape and I look back on my Strava for that training and for man, what, for monumental? Yeah. You were a huge baby. I'm just going to say it. I wasn't a huge baby. Yeah, I was a were. tired mom of oh. three little kids. If that's how you, if that's how you want to spin the, spin the news, that's fine. I'm, what I'm saying is it's a positive thing because if you look back at the training, it was not intense. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And so if I can run the 311 with the l- like lower intensity training, I mean, I was doing a speed workout once a week and I was doing a long run, but I really only had like maybe three marathon pace long runs and the longest Which is plenty, huh? Which is, that's a good amount. It's not very many though. And then, um, the, my hardest workout was probably Fort Ben. I ran the Fort Ben half marathon four weeks before yeah. the race. And yeah. I, I gave it a pretty much like pretty all out effort. And it was, it was not super fast, but it was hard. It was a great workout. Yeah. Ran like 133 on a hilly course. Um, but yeah, so that's where you're going to run 255 in like three years. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, and then I had that fall. <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark it down to, to what it's, it's 2019. Says, okay. So why are we doing 255? Can we just say 259? No, we're going to say 255. Oh, stop. God. Stop selling yourself short. That's really fast. Oh, no, it's not. Let's do If I can, if I, my fat ass can run a 249 <laughs> with my short legs, you can run a 255. You were not I fat am, when you ran a 249. I am not a natural runner. This is true. This is true for sure. Um, well, first first goal is next fall breaking three eleven. I mean, I think you'd go three oh five in the fall. Yeah, and then the next fall you'd go sub three, and then and then probably that next spring and or fall you'd go two fifty five. Yeah, I would shoot for like two fifty three. <laughs> <laughs> it's doable. Oh, it's just laughable to me right now. But yeah, okay. No, it's doable. Okay. <laughs> As I'm like struggling to get out, like. Three miles at 7.45 pace at once right now. It's doable. <laughs> you guys, if you are someone that's had a baby and you are getting back in shape. I'm going to Oprah Winfrey it into existence. <laughs> it is doable. Just know that I, you are not alone and it is hard to get back in shape. And the more babies you have, the harder it is. At least for me, that's been my story. I mean, each baby, it is taking me longer to get back in shape. So um, just know that if you just had a baby and you're running like a lot slower than you used to just takes time, man. Just takes time. I was thinking that today, actually we went to the Y and yesterday I did seven miles on the treadmill. And then today we went to the Y and I just, I, I was going to do my long run yesterday and my hamstrings pretty tight. And it was like kind of telling me I needed to chill out. So I was, I decided to just stop at seven. Uh, and then today I, I decided to do a short run. So I did four miles and I did strength work instead of running like seven miles. I, I spent that time doing strength strength work. Um, but I felt pretty light and fit on my four mile run. Like I wasn't, I was running faster than I had even four weeks ago at, as an, for an easy pace. And it was just like a good reassurance. Like you're getting there. Yeah. Feels it good. takes time. Little steps. You're running faster than I was. I know that I was running faster than you and yeah. I wasn't working very hard and I was doing some hills Yeah, and you were making fun of me for running loud. 
I was. I was. You weren't feeling it, though. I was annoyed. I know. I could tell. Well, because Glenn forgot his headphones. I did. And I had my ear pods in, my new ear pods that I love. So did you So were, did you have music on and were reading your, a book at the same time? Yes. I don't see how your brain could focus on that. There's no way. I wasn't like listening to a podcast and reading. Right. But like you had noise in your head and you were reading at the same time. I don't, I don't think you get to, what did you, what were you reading? Class mom. Well, and what, what was the chapter about? Uh, the chapter was about uh, the mom, Jen, was planning a birthday party for her kindergarten son, Max. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And like the mom drama that went down oh, at the birthday party. Oh, I bet there party. was a lot of good mom drama. And then she fell asleep in the bathtub later and fell out and like hurt her crotch because she like <laughs> fell getting out of the bathtub. So, I mean, okay. you, I know exactly what happened. I could never do that. And I was listening to a little uh, Bone Thugs in my headphones while I lis- while I read Class Mom. Keep it real. <laughs> I mean, no, I would struggle listening to a podcast and reading. Actually, yesterday when I did my run, I listened to a podcast, Billy Yang's podcast. I was listening to Chris Vargo and his wife, Alicia Var- Vargo. And uh, I did not read while I was listening to that. And then towards the end of my run, I was getting kind of like, so I turned off the podcast and put music on and read a little bit just to like pass the time. People always ask me, how do I read on the treadmill? I just put the font on really big and I read like four lines at a time. And then I look around and people watch and then I read four more lines. And yeah, I don't know if I would. Well, I don't read and I don't read books in general. Yeah, maybe you should. Why? Maybe, well, maybe now that I'm back in school, I'm an academic again. Maybe I will. Maybe you should broaden I audio, your. I need audio books. You what should I need. broaden your your life a little bit and read like a good human being does. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I see where I stand with you now. <laughs> you could spend your time reading that you spend scrolling through boring news articles on your phone. Maybe that'll be a 2019 goal. Would you read any books that I suggest? It depends what it is. How about this? Ooh, I have an announcement to make. How about you read Eat and Run by Scott Jurek, who I am interviewing live. Oh, oh breaking news. Breaking dun, news. Breaking news. I can break that news because I'm going to post it on Instagram before this episode goes We need goes like a out. sound effect for breaking news. I could, probably, I could probably figure that out, but it would take me like an extra 30 minutes yeah. in the editing or 20 we just did it though. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 Scott Jurek. I am interviewing Scott Jurek in Indianapolis on Sunday, January 27th at 5 p.m. at District Tap. There we go. Did I say it right? District Tap? Yes, the District Tap on 80. Is that 82nd Street on that side of the river? Uh, I get It's all the same. It's right by the fashion mall. I get 86 and 82nd. The old music mill. All I know is it's just the border of where Glenn and Lindsay will are willing to go. Just east of the Green Bridge. Yes. We don't go north of 86th Street much. That's not true. We went we went to Carmel the other day. Well, we had to go to Ikea. Some more good, this is more good radio about I know. Lo- local Indianapolis conversations. We made our way out of 465 borders. We made our way out of the city because we needed to go to Ikea to buy a dresser for the carriage house. And while we were up there... In Fishers, we decided to go over to Carmel and check out the new Sun King Brewery, which, by the way, was amazing. Uh, I had a margarita and a salty dog. Salty dog is my signature beverage, by the way. 
and we got a pizza and it was very good. I'd go back. I'd go back. I would go back today, but it's New Year's Day and I think they're closed. I think you're correct. So anyway, this live show I'm very excited about. I can't even tell everybody the story about how it came about because it's just so ridiculous, but it's happening. And big thanks to Chrissy Mail, Alter Runner Chrissy Mail, who's been on this podcast because she set me up with Scott and Jenny to do the interview. And I'm really grateful for that. Should be a great event. Yeah. Um, First of many in 2019. Yeah, so we uh, we read his book. Him, he and Jenny, his wife Jenny, wrote a book called North, and it's about him uh, him hike, hiking and running. He was running the Appalachian Trail going north, and it was their recap of the adventure. He had the fastest known time when he finished it. That was what his goal was, and it's him telling his side of the story and, and Jenny telling her side of the story, and like – she crewed him that one entire time. I mean, and it took a couple months. So to literally dedicate a couple months of your life to crew someone, like did it take that long? It it took a while. I I was listening. I was doing my research for my show and listening to him on a podcast yesterday, and I'm pretty sure he said it took a couple months. That's probably right. And he might have been a cu- couple months of their life, like in planning yeah. and all, and all this. And then they went and wrote the book together. And he was talking about how it kind of like really test your marriage because I mean, when it's just the two of you and like, she's waiting at the end of a trailhead, like cell service isn't really working out there. So when he says, I'm probably going to be at this trailhead by sundown, she just has to kind of go and hope and show up and hope that he makes it. And she sees his his headlamp. So I could see how it'd be real frustrating. (laughs) Be a lot of long days and sleepless nights. I don't, could you handle it? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I could I could crew you for sure. You could crew. Oh, you'd be great at crewing yeah, me. Yeah. I, I'd be like, I got things to do. Yeah. I'm too selfish. Yeah. That's what it boils <laughs> down to. You'd be getting bored. You'd be like, well, I'm going to go do something else. He's not here. He's not here. So just yeah. kind of walk back to yeah. walk back and find me. I'm going to go back to the, the town and find the Starbucks and I'm going to go email some people. Yeah. I'm going to go work a little I'd bit. I'd be crewing myself. Yeah. So anyway, it was, it's exciting because we read their book. I actually listened to the book North on audio. I started it in the hospital when Sandy was born and I, I'm just excited. I think it's going to be a cool way to kick off 2019, have a live show in January in in our hometown and with none other than Scott Jerk, who's arguably like one of the best ultra runners. He's probably one of the top five most well-known ultra runners. I'm willing to say that. He won Western States seven consecutive years in a row. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I can't think of a more famous ultra runner, to be honest. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited. And and honestly, I'm excited to research a little bit more. I, I'm rereading Eat and Run. I think I read that like five years ago. I don't even really remember it. Um, I need to reread Born to Run, which he did not write, but it accounts a lot of his life in it or his ultra running experience. Chris McDougall wrote that book. So after the Scott Jurek live event, the next event I'm going to is the Donna Marathon in Jacksonville, Florida, which we went to that last year. And uh, we had a lot of fun. I did the No, we did, but we both, we both did the We half. both ran the half. It was a great weekend. I secretly, really awesome. I was running the half secretly pregnant. Yes. And you, and you were. Had, you had secret pregnant goals. I had secret pregnant goals. I wanted to break 150. Yeah. I wanted to break two hours, and I was like, no, nah, I want to break two. Fi- I want to break 150. I think you did, you did it quite comfortably, I think, didn't you? I think I ran like one, 147, maybe 146. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. I was working hard though. Like I, it was not easy because it was yeah. hot too. Yeah. And I wasn't like in the best shape ever, but I, you know, I worked, I worked pretty hard. Yeah. My pregnant, four, I was 14 weeks pregnant. I worked pretty hard for that 147 or whatever it ended up being. Cause you met me, you finished that race. Well, actually they changed the they, course this year, but last year you finished the race like heading into mile 12 and I'm assuming 25 for the full, you have to go up this like pretty big hill that's on yeah, an you overpass. Gotta, you got to go up the intercoastal waterway bridge. I mean, it's to like get to the Mayo Clinic. It's like point four. It's probably almost a half a mile, right? It's a good hike. Yeah. And it is hard. And you met me at the top of the hill. Yeah. I remember because you had finished obviously yeah. way ahead of me and jogged back to run me in. And I remember you were su- surprised that you saw me so soon. Yeah. And I was like, you were, you were chugging, you were head getting, down, you were getting it done. You were not wanting to chat. No, I was like, I am breaking 150. And yeah. you, you were like, calm down. Like you're going to break 150. <laughs> you're not even close. And I'm like, well, what? but now I want to finish as fast as I can. Yeah. Um, and I had like really bad chafe marks after that. Like, and I could feel it. Like my legs were bleeding during mm. the race. So anyway, here is what I want to say about that. You guys. I'm going back this year. I don't know that Glenn's coming with. I'm going to be sad that he's not going to come with. I'd like to. I just don't know that it's going to make sense, though, for what we got going on. Basically, it boils down to we have too many kids and Glenn's starting school. Yes. So anyway, I might be going solo. Uh, We're definitely going to be doing a meet. I'm going to be doing a meetup run like the Donna Marathon puts on a meetup run on Friday. I'm going to be there for that going to be doing some things with them during the time that I'm there. Um, also interviewing Joan Bonet Samuelson. So that'll be cool. And then, uh, coming up here, I'm going to interview her soon. And then, um, I'm fundraising because we went to the Mayo clinic last year. They have a VIP like Mayo clinic dinner for all of the people who fundraise and are there at the race. Um, probably like, I don't know who, I don't know who all the people there. I know there's a lot of fundraisers at the Mayo Clinic, but do you know who all sponsors were probably oh, at there? The Saturday night at the Saturday night dinner. Yeah. It seemed yeah. like it was a lot of fundraisers and then probably board director, like board members of the race and, and the foundation sponsors and the foundation and people like that. Yeah. And so we learned more about the Donna foundation, which Donna Deegan was on this podcast. She was in the nineties. I want to say maybe 91. Uh, she's, I would say one of my, I would say she's in the top five of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Uh, she's just like such a positive and inspiring person. She's a three time breast cancer survivor and she started the Donna foundation to help fund breast cancer research and also help those living with the disease. So anyway, we learned so much about the foundation and what they're doing. And we got to hear from doctors at the Mayo clinic where she was cared for. And last year when we were sitting there and they were you know, all these people that had fundraised big dollars were there. I was just thinking, I like, I could have done that. Like, I, I've never used my platform to fundraise. And I don't want to say used my platform. That sounds kind of silly. But, like, I have a voice and a lot of people listening. And I feel like I could set a pretty high dollar amount to make a good difference, a big difference. And so last year when we were sitting at the Mayo Clinic, I just was like, next year if we come down for this, like, I'm fundraising. And I didn't want to set my goal to be like $2,000. So I set it to 10000 I was going to say, what's the goal? It's 10000 10, Okay, right. And after I set it, I was like, maybe I should have done twenty. But then this fall, because I, I committed to doing it in October, you realize that there's a lot of things going on. Like Giving Tuesday, <laughs> Thanksgiving, Christmas. Everybody's spending a million dollars on Christmas. And I'm like, man, this is a hard time to push to fundraise. But... 
I really think that $10,000 is like not unattainable and it's a pretty reachable goal with the amount of listeners I have here and um, like our family and friends and whatnot. So I'm asking everybody listening right now. I don't want to be an over asker, but I'm asking you guys. I've literally net. I I think that we fundraised for our very first marathon. We fundraised for the community center that I worked at. We did. I yes, remember that. Yeah. We did. Um, and I don't have we raised money for anything since then. I don't think we have. No, we raised money when we rode our bikes to New York City for Love 146. I forgot about that. Yeah. In 2010, we rode our bikes from Indiana to New York City uh-huh. for an organization called. Love, love 46. Yep. And they fight human trafficking. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. We raised, we raised a lot, yeah, at least 10,000, but yeah. there were, there was a group there was effort. A group of people. There was a lot of us raising the funds. Um, so anyway, I've decided to make my goal 10,000 and I won't stop until I get there. Um, and, and for those of you listening that don't know a little bit about my story with that is, um, I have the BRCA2 gene mutation which puts me at a very high risk of breast cancer, something that I was fearful of for a very long time, still deal with fear regarding that. And in 2013, uh, when I found out I had the mutation, I elected to have a prophylactic double mastectomy. So we just came about five years on that. It's been five That's years. It's been five years. That's crazy. I know. And so obviously this is like something that's really important to me because because without good research around things like this, like the BRCA mutation wouldn't have even ever been found out. So this is really important to me. And um, I hope that everybody listening can donate. I said, if everybody listening donates $5, literally $5, we will like far exceed the goal. Now, if you want to donate 50, that's great too. With any amount, we'll take it. Or a hundred, you know, whatever. 50 cents. Yeah. Even if everybody donates 50 cents, but go ahead and donate a hundred. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes and I really hope that we can actually far surpass the 10,000. We have about a month to go. Well, everything goes to the, the Donna foundation, right? All the money raised and they give, is it a hundred percent of the proceeds go directly to research? Well, no, because some of their, some of their money goes to care for people living with the disease. Right. But so what I'm saying is that it's 100%. The foundation is giving 100% of the money to research and or helping support people with yes. cancer. Yes. Right. So it's not being eaten up. Eaten it's not up. going to the marathon. It's, it's going, going to the foundation. It's not going to the marathon or to like. Because the marathon has big sponsors. Big right. sponsors. Right. But it's just, it's just another thing that people, if they're going to give their money, it's going to be used for for good, right? Whether well, right, it's and research you, and or helping somebody living with cancer. And well, and you get nervous with like bigger organizations because you're like, where is all this money going? Because they've got to pay these CEOs like hundreds of thousands of dollars, which, hey, if you're the CEO of like a huge organization, you need to be well paid because it's a big job. But this is a smaller, more grassroots organization doing really big things though. I mean, we, we heard those doctors talking at the Mayo Clinic like, They've donated a ton of money. Yeah, and they had some pretty exciting trials going on with like some yeah. different like cancer vaccines and stuff like that. They had various phases of trials. And the vaccine, I forget which vaccine they were talking about, but I remember specifically um, there were they had a video they showed and some people that were doing the trials. And I specifically asked Donna, who um, is a three-time breast cancer survivor, I said, would you 
would you have done this trial, you know, when you were going through it? And she said, absolutely, I would have. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And I'm excited to just, like, carry on their mission and continue to be a partner with them because I really believe in what they're doing. And I just, I, if you meet Donna, like she's infectious, like her personality, you met her. She's just like, she is, this is her life mission. Like this is what her, this is what she was born to do. So anyway, go donate, start your year off right and donate to the Donna foundation um, link to that will be in the show notes and I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a call to action on my Instagram stories and page as well here soon. I just like, I'm like, when is the right time to do that? There's just so much going on in the, in the winter. And I feel like, man, it's a hard time to, to ask for donations. Time is now, I guess. The time is now. Johnny Cougar style. <laughs> Quality inside joke right there. It's my theme song. Your life is now. You tell the story. No, uh, we we don't need to go into that. Well, <laughs> at, at my live show at Portsmouth, I walked oh, out to did. it. Oh, you You walked out to your life is now. That's right. I couldn't wait I to told, tell you because you're gonna. I was like, you were gonna die. When I, I tried tell to get you. you to walk out to Outcast, and you're like, I walked out to your life is now by Johnny Cougar. <laughs> it's like, of course you did. Uh, of course you did. So, when I when I graduated <laughs> college, I like didn't know what I was gonna do with my life. Oh man, and who pe- does though? Well, people like Glenn Hyde I who. Oh, I, I had a job. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. But you graduate from the Kelly School business. You're like, I'm going to go get a job in finance or business or whatever. You you know, your his degree was in finance. And so he knew he was going to get Definitely a job. Definitely didn't have a job in finance, but okay. You didn't. But like when you graduate from the business school, you have like recruiters coming to job fairs. And you, as long as you have good grades, you guys are just like, Take your pick, apply wherever, and yeah, they're entry level jobs, but still. Yeah, it's funny though. You're like back when I look back now as a 35 year old to my 22, 22, 23 year old self. Like I didn't know what I was doing or what I wanted, but I was like, I should be doing that job. I had no qualification for that whatsoever. I still thought you sold yourself short at, when you took that job at Prochance. Hey, got me in the door. That got and, that's and, true, and it was a paycheck. And you're not working there anymore. Yeah. But paid my rent for me, a little dietetics major who didn't get a dietetic internship because her grades were so bad. I got a job working as a receptionist at a doctor's office because I was like, I need a full time job because I have to have health insurance and I don't know what else to do. And so I would find myself meeting random people in laundry rooms at your apartment downtown Indianapolis <laughs> crying because they worked at freaking Eli Lilly and oh, I didn't know what I was doing with my life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that so, happened. Yes. That happened. It did. <laughs> Who was that girl? Sarah Posick. Hey, Sarah Posick. Yeah. Do you think she listens to my show? Uh, she might. She looks like she could be a runner. Like, I feel like back then, that was like... A couple s- years ago, she still lived in Indianapolis because I saw her at the Y. That was such a stereotype. I shouldn't have said anybody. Anybody can be a runner, guys. There you go. There you go. <laughs> she looked like someone who worked out. Don't be problematic. I know. <laughs> the internet. It's 2019. Don't be problematic. So anyway... um. Yeah, I remember just crying because I remember she telling me that she was it was it Lily that she worked she worked somewhere like that. And yeah, I was she like, was in like some like marketing rotational program I'm or like, something. Of course, she work at Lily, and I'm a receptionist at IMA in Bloomington up for the weekend to visit yeah, my but boyfriend. You were, but you were gonna marry me. <laughs> I mean, come on. I would drive around listening to Johnny Cougar. Your life is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you would. And I would just like 
It was like my pump up song, like (laughs) (laughs) to think like, this is it, Lindsay, like, what are you going to do with your life? So then (laughs) in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, when we were planning the live show, like uh, Sarah Canny and I and my friend Deb, who was also on the panel, we went the day before to like check the sound and everything. And as we were checking the sound, I was like, oh, we all need to walk out to a song to make it like, you know, like, okay, announce the guest and we all have a song. So I was like, what should I walk out to? So I texted Glenn and my sisters and they all texted me back like these inappropriate rap songs. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think that's the right, the right song for this crowd. I did not get, I, well, did you text Shelby? Yeah, my sister. Yeah, of course she gave an inappropriate answer. (laughs) I did not give an inappropriate answer. I mean, Outkast has some pretty like. I don't, nothing about that was inappropriate though, the song. What song was it? It was probably Hey Ya or The Way You Move. Yeah, but like I wasn't like trying to sexy dance my way onto the I'm stage. Not, I'm not, it gives I like, feel like the way you move, you'd have to sexy dance. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Sexy dance it up. So I, so I did "Your Life Is Now" by John Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I told you until after the show. No, you waited until after the you were show. You're like, how did it go? And I don't even know if I brought it up first or you. And I was like, you're gonna die when you hear what I walked out to. Oh boy. Nobody even probably paid attention to that. What did, what did Deb and uh, Sarah walk out to? No, I did the... Well, Sarah introduced... Sarah was already up on stage. She was like the first person on stage. She introduced me. And then um, I put Van Morrison, Domino for the rest of everybody else. Okay. I just wanted like a fun song that like would be recognizable. Like Your Life Is Now by John, John Cougar <laughs> Mellencamp. <laughs> but, well, that song I was like... I feel like, you know, I had this goal to do these live events and I did the live event in Indy in 2016, 17, 17. And, uh, then I did, I didn't, you know, have anything in plan planned for 2017 until the New York city marathon thing. I mean, 18. Yeah. 2018. Except for the live event you did at the mini marathon. I did the panel with mm-hmm. Meb and Frank Shorter. Yeah. It was Meb, Frank Shorter, Alexi Pappas. And the Boston Marathon event you did. Who am I forgetting? Ba- uh, Frank Shorter, Meb, Alexi oh. Pappas, and Bill, Bill Rogers. Bill Rogers. <laughs> I'm forgetting Bill Rogers. Crazy hair Bill Rogers. Yes, but the mini... I That was not even... That did not even get planned until like a week before. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. So, yeah, so, so w- okay, so I did my live show in 2017 here at Indy. Then I did the mini marathon panel, the New York City Marathon with Paula Ratcliffe. And then um, Sarah Canny, uh, the Portsmouth live show. Sarah had asked me to do that, like, well, way back in the day. I mean, I was, like, January because I was secret pregnant. And I, because I told her, I said, I'm going to commit to doing this, but just so you know, I'm going to have a baby with me because I'm, like, I was, like, 10 weeks pregnant at the time. So she knew way before anybody else knew. But I picked that song because in 2016, before I even planned the 2017 live show, I had this vision that was right when my show started that I wanted to do live events. And so I felt like it was coming to fruition at the Portsmouth show because I'd already done a few. And so I wanted to walk out (laughs) like feeling like, like, Okay, you're doing it. Like, you're doing it's what here. you want to do. Your you, life is you've now. Ma- you've made it happen. You've invented it. Yeah. It's so, pretty awesome. Um, I mean, that event was thanks to Sarah, for sure. Um, and, you know, the attendance there was totally thanks to her. She's, 
you know, she did all of the planning and, and awesome promoting and there, she's got a great community in New Hampshire and that the New England area, but it was, it was fun. It was good. Your life is now. There you go. You went from chili cook-offs and holiday lights at the John H. Bonner Community Center to your life is now in New Hampshire. Yeah, I'm excited, though, for more live events uh, this year and next year and just kind of like perfecting what those events actually are. I mean, they're all, they all look a little bit different, you know? So if, if you could plan, because you're big into plant, quote-unquote planning these days. Yes, uh, with all your planners that you have <laughs> that I learned about earlier off <laughs> off the air. Uh, what would your 2019 event calendar look like? That's a good question. I don't know. The thing about it is I'm, I'm all into like forecasting and planning and things like that, but I want someone to do it for me. <laughs> it's kind of your show though. No, like I want to do the interviews and I want to. So you're kind of a, a diva? No. I want to I'm not a good I'm not great at You're event. basically saying I'm just the talent. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's basically what I heard. I'm not at a good event planner. I'm okay. not good at details. Okay. I want to research and make a fun show for people to listen to, but I'm not good at all the little details of planning. Does that make sense? So I need to hire someone to do that. Yeah, or if you were married to somebody that knew how to like organize things. I mean, when when we did the 2017 live show in Indy, you guys, Glenn did so much. Like he cooked all the food. He brought it in. He drove my boys, our boys down to Bloomington. Uh, we kept Russell with us and got a babysitter that night. But like this was like so Glenn was doing a lot. <laughs> If only you knew somebody that could like help plan things with you. I know. Well, I <laughs> only are you like making fun of me? Yeah. Cause I always have you plan things with yeah. me. Um, but I, I remember specifically before that event on, we were on a run one day and I was kind of stressed about it, like figuring things out and you were like, Hey, I'll handle the food. And I was like, perfect. If I don't have to think about food, then I'm good. Because that was a huge stressor for me. I didn't know what to do about that. So anyway, yeah, if I could plan, I definitely want to do something next fall. Some sort of live live something or another. I'd love to do something on the West Coast. We've talked about that um, this year for sure. So we've got Scott Jurek in January, Donna Marathon in February. February. Hopefully something, I don't know if I'm going to go back to New York again or do something with Monumental that weekend. We That's still in the the works but i would love to go back to new york i would also love to do something with monumental so i don't know we'll see what happens and then hopefully sometime this summer maybe we'll go get to go out to the west coast and do something so that's five events that's probably enough huh yeah that's enough yeah that's enough all right that's enough for like live podcast your life is now let's make it make it happen (laughs) I would go, I would like to go do like some more speaking stuff though at race expo. Like I want to do something in Boston, but that might just end up being a meetup. I don't know. You know, my brain's in a million different places. No, you know, no, you're good. (laughs) My Enneagram seven self. I just want to have all the fun and make all the plans. Yeah. All right, Glenn. So what is your prediction for what I'm going to run in Boston? I've I've thought about this a lot. Have you? I have. I've put a lot of thought into it. Okay, so tell me what tell me what your thought process is in making the 
guess on what I'm going to run. Um, so you, we have four kids, right? Yeah, we have four. Yep, uh, that's right. Four kids. Uh, he was born in August. Um, okay. September, October, November, December, January. So we are now. Eight. I'll be eight months postpartum. You'll be eight months postpartum. You will have ran. You will have ran. You ran the 311 in November and then you got pregnant um, and then took a bunch of time off running. So you're now running again. You're kind of on a lower mileage. You're kind of a stubborn runner, though. What once, does that mean? Once you get into a race setting, what, that you're a stubborn runner? Yes. That um, you won't go just like run for fun. I mean, I've done that before. But I, you're going to be by yourself. And if you're healthy, you're not going to just like run for fun. You will like say that you're going to do that. But then you'll like start to clock watch. And you'll be like, well, I can just see if I can do that. Well, let's see if we can just break that. No, I'll just see if I can just go ahead and we'll just see if we can break that. <laughs> I'm going to try to do this. So knowing this, um, I am going to say that you are going to run a 3.27.30. Ooh, that's a really good guess. I know. It's like I know you. Yeah, that's a really good guess. I, so. Because you're going to be, knowing you, you'll be damned to say that you didn't requalify for Boston at Boston. That will be like your goal. And that gets you in. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends. Well, because I'll run a fall marathon, so I would get back in either way. Right, but that that gives you something to focus on, and you like to have something to focus on. Well, I will say in 2014, I ran Boston, and... But you didn't know what you were doing. Or no, 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 not for... I'm sorry, I was thinking when we were like... You were thinking I'm thinking when we were like like 15. (laughs) 26. Whatever. Uh, Might as well have been 15. Yeah. No, no, I was still 25. At like at 25, did you have any idea that this would be what you're doing right now? No. Like, no clue. Uh, Glenn, listen to my episode on the morning shakeout with Mario Fraley. I did listen to oh, it. Oh, you did? Okay. Because I was going to say, I talk about that. Like, how when I was on the cover of Women's Running, like, I didn't know what that meant. And your Aunt Chris would be like, what What are you going to do with this opportunity? And I was like, I mean, I share I my know. story about, <laughs> like, being proactive with my health. Like, I don't know. But then, you know, anyway. So... It spiraled into this, apparently. That was meant to be for some reason. You didn't want to, like, trademark some (laughs) t-shirts? Was that inappropriate? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, we can just cut that out. (laughs) We'll see what my editor, (laughs) a.k.a. myself, thinks. Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, in 2009, I was still 25, second marathon. Yeah, definitely didn't know what I was doing. Was terrified at Boston because I was like, this is my second marathon, I felt like everybody that was there had been running for like 95 years and I was just like on this bus being bussed out and I was scared. That's a tough, that's a tough race to like be kind of new at, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Because you're like, I remember the I logistics to, are so hard and I had to get on this bus and then I was out at, you know, in the tents where, uh, where are you at? In Hopkinton. Hop, yeah. I was like out there and I, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing and then I lined up and the whole race I was like I shouldn't be here like I just felt like I was not deserving to be there honestly it was weird but anyway I ran in 2014 so I had my mastectomy in October of 2013 and built mile I took six weeks off built mileage up and then in January I had reconstructive surgery took a nut yes I have breast implants (laughs) Uh, in January, uh, I took six weeks off to, you know, recover from that surgery. I'm a big stickler on the six week rule. 
for everything, babies, surgeries. And so I had like slowly built up mileage to April and I had plantar fasciitis at the time too. But my point is there I was in Boston with my friend Ashley going out way too fast, way too, mm-hmm. way too fast. And I was in yep. shape for, I think I came through the half in like 138 oh, or 137. Yeah, get, getting it. And, but I do remember at the end I was struggling really hard. Um, and I think I had like two miles to go and I was like, well, I at least need to try to qualify. And I think I ran a 332, but it was like that, that is what drove me to like not slow down to a putter because I was like, I should at least try to go under 335. And so I think I ran, I don't, 332 and change. There you go. 327.30. Well, see, now that you said Mark it. it down. It's going ha- to happen. Now I have pressure to beat that oh, time. Oh, see. Oh, this is such fake news. Like, you asked for my prediction. <laughs> I know. I'm going to be, like, doing meetups and stuff that weekend. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Then, then. If I want to try to run a 327, I need no, to. See, because if I would have said, like, 348, you'd have, like, spit fire at me like <laughs> that i'm not gonna run that slow <laughs> so i went with a respectable time I that know. i think is realistic no i think it's a good i think that's a good goal for me for sure and you were gonna run like a 32804 now or 32604 or there you go i mean going sub sub eight minute miles for 26 miles will be hard for me but we'll we'll see what happens when when the time i don't know comes. i hope hopefully uh you get the same weather i got yeah well hope then so. that's definitely hope so then i'm running hope like so. four hours and 15 minutes probably that race was awful i'll try to run faster just to get done if that's the case it was so bad i mean i know i was there not running it though no. standing on the sidelines i guess it depends on how much of um how much business you conduct the weekend before the race. Yeah, I could be really tired. Right. Hopefully the ex- hopefully the Boston Marathon calls and they're like, Lindsay, can you do some speaking engagements? And hey, I'll- you never know. It might just happen. So if you work for the Boston Marathon or John Hancock or, you know, somebody over there, let me know if you want me to uh, do something at the expo. Yeah, I mean, you got experience, you know, with the uh, New York Roadrunners, you know, Paula Radcliffe, day before the race. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. That you know? did happen. I actually posted Live about podcasts, that. podcast uh, in New York City the day before the marathon, you know? I did post Hello, about Boston. that. And I will tell you, I was like, we talked about this on Patreon. Halfway through that interview, I remember staring at Paula Ratcliffe's face and I was like completely zoned out. <laughs> like completely not in the room. And I was like, Lindsay? You had a full room to be zoning out on. I know. And I knew you were holding Sandy somewhere. I'm two and a half months postpartum. And I was just like, I was thinking about like mortality and dying. And you were. like, I, I was not there. And I was like, I just remember looking at her face and thinking about things that were not even there. And I was like, Lindsay, pull it together. Look at your note card. Look down, look down, look down. And I didn't want to look at the crowd because I was afraid I would like start crying or something. <laughs> so anyway, I pulled it together. Apparently, Angela, who was there, hi, Angela, says she didn't notice. And you said you didn't know no, until no, afterwards. Uh, but no. I was like, for like, it was probably a matter of 20 seconds. But in my head, it was like. It probably 10, felt like 10 minutes. Yeah, I was like get it together Lindsay and I actually I don't listen back to most of my episodes anymore but I did listen back to that one because I felt like in a live situation it's really hard to uh, really see the flow of the conversation and see how you did 
and I didn't re- I didn't edit that one because back after since it was live I just wanted to put it out how it was and um I listened back and I was like okay I was happy with it and her answers I remember at the end of the show I asked her what her best most recent book was and at first it was like shaky and then she gave like the absolute best it was pretty answer. Good. It was a pretty good answer. Yeah, yeah. it was like she's not going to say anything. She's going to like say some random yeah. Jodi Picoult book and then she came up with the best answer and all these reasons for yeah. why it was a good book. And as an interviewer, you're sitting there going like, yes, keep it yeah, coming. It was a great interview. Keep it coming. Um, and she's so nice. I and she held our baby. She, hold our ba- she held our baby and the next day uh, um, Christine Burke was so gracious to give us tickets to the what was it the blue line lounge yeah the blue line lounge yeah so we got to hang out back there race day and um, i basically can't watch a marathon any other way now <laughs> i'm like george costanza like once i've t- like tasted the private jet like i can't go back so like, i know that's I how we i have to go vip the entire way now that's how we felt when we got vip at the drumstick dash and i haven't gone back Yes, we, I think we did it one year. I, no, we did. We did it when Russell was a baby. No, oh, okay. And we weren't VIP that year. Yeah, it wasn't the same. <laughs> it wasn't the same. You get like bagels and croissants yeah. and yeah. mimosas. And a, heat, a heated tent. I don't think you get mimosas at the drumstick dash, but you do at the Blue Line Lounge. You do, yes. <laughs> um, but I talked. I got to talk to Paula there too, and yeah. she's she was she took a call. Her son called her. She, that and that's the one thing she said during the interview. She said. No I think mat- he was complaining about school or something. Yeah, but she said during the interview, she said, no matter what I do, no matter, you know, where I'm at in my career, like I will always stop to answer a call for my kids. And she did exactly yeah. that yeah. when I, we were talking in the Blue Line Lunch, she said, hold on. And it was her son. And they talked about school for like a couple of minutes. Yeah. And then we finished our conversation. The whole time she was talking to him, though, I was like, you probably hope I just walk away right now. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> but then I felt weird. I was like, I can't walk away. We were like mid-conversation. So, Glenn, we have to do a couple of listener questions real quick. Okay. I did a uh, call to action on Instagram. A call to action. Is that what it is? Is it really? A I don't call know. That's lame. Why am I calling it that? What is wrong with me? Uh, okay. Well, you're being the th- philanthropy, so. Oh, boy. You, can, you can't just say an inside joke and not explain it. Well, that you basically hate that word. That's the joke. Yeah, I don't like the word <laughs> because philanthropy. Because you. you it, it's tied up. You have a lot of emotions tied up in that word and preconceived notions. Yeah. I, I think that philanthropy says I like to go to big fancy galas and give my talk money. About how good, how, talk about how good I am. Look at all the good I'm doing. I, no. Well, I basically picture like Zubilation in Indy or um, what's another like fancy hoity-toity event in Indy that people go to that they basically, basically it's like adult zo- prom. Basically a zubilation. That's the main one. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, what's the one? Penrod. Oh, yes. Penrod. Penrod. The, the, art, the art festival. But I think Penrod is like an adult fraternity for dudes or something. I, no I mean, idea. it's like, it's definitely like uppity and no offense if you're a Penrod and zubilation supporter, like go do your thing but it's definitely a keeping up with the joneses type thing for sure have fun with that sorry if i'm offending anybody uh, you're, you're problematic in 2019 already actually though i will say i do think it would be fun to get dressed up and go to zubilation one year no it's like nine it's like 95 degrees I'm not wearing a tuxedo when it's 95 degrees out. You could get crazy and and be the person that like doesn't actually wear a tux and just wear something like real funky and no, uh, I'm not wearing a short tuxedo. I just want a reason to 
wear a fancy dress from Rent the Runway. That's fine. Well, give me another reason to then. We'll come up with one. I'll make up our own event. Okay. It does sound fun, but I also think that Penrod and Zublation are both a little bit pretentious. There you go. 2019, Lindsay Hine, problematic. (laughs) All right. So we're going to do a couple listener questions because we've asked these a couple times. We were going to record an episode, the two of us, like... I don't know when it was. Was it a year ago? I don't know. But I ended up recording the audio wrong. So thoughts and prayers that this audio works. So our first question, I promise I won't do too many. Our babysitter time will be running out soon. Ooh, okay. This is from Jocelyn. Hey, Jocelyn. In New York City. (laughs) She wants to know, do you guys ever fight? If so, what are some of your big fights about? Ooh, behind the curtain. We, we never fight. We're perfect. I actually said, I responded to her and I was like, that's a good question. I feel like people think that we don't fight a lot, but we do fight. We're normal people. Yeah, we fight. I think that's normal. There's a lot of stress and tension when it comes with um, being married and living with uh, six people. What, do you, what would we fight about? So I'm trying to think what we fight about. I think it's usually... Um, let's see here. I mean, we definitely fight and are bicker at each other. They're short lived though. Yeah. We're, they're short lived because of Glenn, not because of me, because I will you hold de- a grudge. You, yeah. You, you will hold a grudge and just write it and you'll just write it out. Just like an Anderson. You will write, you'll, you'll write it till your grave. Yeah. I'm you- stubborn for <laughs> yeah. sure. Like Glenn will be like, right, can you be done with this now? Like, can we move on from this? Like actually today we were frustrated with each other because the kids were being frustrating and complaining and. I think that's a lot of it that um, we'll get frustrated with the kids or the house being dirty and we will take it out on each other when we need to remember that we're on the same team, but we'll, it gives, it's like me. I will some, I'm a terrible person. I will take it out on the dog. <laughs> You're so mean to the I'll dog yell, sometimes. I'll, I'll yell at the dog to like get out of my way because I've got nothing. I have no other control. And in the then situation. I get mad at him for yelling at the dog. Yeah. Cause I have no other control in the situation. So I'm like, Oh, I can take some control. I'll yell at Lindsay about something stupid that doesn't matter. Yeah. Because and everything's the, just spiraling out of control. And a lot of times it's interesting how this works. And I, I think the other parents might also experience this is when I'm super frustrated with the kids a lot of times he's chill and when he's super frustrated I'm chill and so then I get mad when he's yelling I'm like why are you yelling like you're making the situation worse but then 20 minutes later I'm yelling at the kids so I think that I think that's probably our hardest thing like like even this today after the why I went because I wanted to get myself a juice at Natural Born Juicers and the kids got some smoothies and you could, you know, Glenn was probably already annoyed because he's like, why are you buying our kids a $7 smoothie? You said it. I didn't. <laughs> That's I don't normally do that, by the way. I mean, I do buy myself a $7 smoothie, yeah, but I you, don't normally you, buy the you kids. Said it. So anyway, <laughs> uh, when we got back in the car, Marshall apparently kicked the car for oh, no. Oh, I was pissed. For no reason. I was pissed. He kicked Instead of just like waving his hands or like saying, hey, dad, I'm out here. He kicked the car to get his attention. And then Glenn was mad because, you know, we're always like, you don't respect the things that we own. It's bad. So anyway, so Glenn was mad at Marshall for kicking the car as he should have been. But then I showed up 45 seconds later and I didn't know that Marshall had kicked the car. And I was like, why are you yelling at him? Like, let's just try to have a good day. The babysitter's coming in an hour. Let's just like try to ride this out. 
But then I found out that Marshall kicked the car and I was like, okay, I'm on your team. <laughs> like you should yell at him. He didn't, he shouldn't have kicked the car. So did we answer the question? I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that those, I think that those things we fight about at, yes. And like cleaning the house. Although I will say for me, having a husband has worked out well, but way better than having a roommate ever was because Glenn is really good at when I say, will you please clean that toilet? Like, I don't know what happened in that bathroom. Oh, I don't, I don't know what you were doing. I don't know what the kids were doing, but will you please do it? He hands down just does it and he doesn't. No, I don't think that's anything that we ever fight about, like cleaning and stuff like that. No. no. Well, we get frustrated when the house is messy, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because our kids are savages. Yeah. And so I guess that's something I'm thankful for, though, that I can literally feel comfortable anytime saying to you, will you vacuum or will you clean the toilet? Because I usually do those things. But if I'm like, I don't want to do this right now, I can ask him to, and he will. So I, I think if we really go behind the curtain, Ooh. Um, I would say a genuine pain point with our relationship would probably be your business. Yeah. I would say that's probably the thing that we butt heads with the most. Yeah, because I am, I have all these ideas and things I want to do, and I want to go, 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 and... Glenn works Monday through Friday eight to five. And so when he gets home on, on the weeknights and on the weekends, he's like, I'm off. I just want to hang out. Like I want to play with my kids and watch TV and drink a beer and go to bed. And I'm like, but I still want to do all these things because I have all these ideas, but I also want to go to bed at nine 30. And actually the other day he said to me when I was talking about this, he said, stop going to bed at nine 30. If you like want to do all these things, you know, uh, but that's for sure a stressor in our relationship yeah. for sure, because he hears me spew out all these ideas and he wants me to have direction because that's how he thinks like one thing at a time. Whereas I'm like, but I could do this, 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 and this. And it's also hard too, because you know, I coach people too. So like Sunday mornings, I'm, I'm like on my computer sending emails and updating that. And then um, on the weekend, on the weeknights, sometimes I'm editing episodes and he never gets annoyed with me for it. But I have this like preconceived notion that he's probably like, why is she on her computer right now? She, why is she doing that? Like when we're having family time and he's never said that, but I, I like somehow in my mind to get defensive. Yeah. That never bothers me. Cause I always feel like you think I'm like. I mean, as long as you're not like Facebook and are like texting your friends. I mean, sometimes I am doing that. That's fine though, but like I, that, that doesn't bother me. Yeah, but I think it's a I think it's something in my head where I think that though because I'm like, well, Glenn's home. We should have family time. But like, whatever. I also like whatever that means. Well, I'm also home with the kids a lot. So like, when Glenn's home, like I have to work a lot, and I and I do work quite a bit on the weekends and um, evenings sometimes because that's the opportunity I have to do it. So yeah, that can be that can be tough. I would say we don't fight a lot though. I mean, I really don't think I we don't fight think a lot. So, no. And I think a lot of that is because we are very different in our personalities. We've never taken the Enneagram like super seriously, but if anybody's an Enneagram person, I'm pretty sure I'm a seven with a six wing. Look it up. And I'm pretty sure Glenn is a five. With a what wing? I don't know what wing. I don't know. Is five? I think five 
is that the one that we decided you were like it's the researcher that's the one, that's the one that you told me i was yeah, yeah and i haven't looked it up you don't hug him you don't no, i don't know i don't want to be hugged he's not, don't, don't hug me no where i will hug you if no, i meet I, you for I the first time want, i do not want to be hugged the seven is like i'll give it to the i'll give it to like the supper club people they've figured that out like they don't hug me they don't hug you no oh. i don't need to be hugged <laughs> Um, hold on a second. I'm fine with a hug, but like, I don't need to be hugged. Okay. So the sevens are extroverted, optimistic, versatile, and spontaneous. See, I don't know how much I, I don't know how much I agree with that, but listen to this playful, high spirited, and practical. They can also misapply their many talents becoming overextended, scattered, and undisciplined. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> they constantly seek new and exciting experiences, yep. mm-hmm. but can become distracted yep. and exhausted by staying on the go. They typically have problems with impatience and impulsiveness. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> At their best, they focus their talents on worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that me? Yeah. Okay. Now, I want to read the type five. I want to read the five that it, so so I'm definitely like parts of seven for sure. You're definitely in the ballpark of a seven. <laughs> okay, here's Glenn. Oh, okay, here you're five. You should know your number, by the way. Yeah, I've been five. Okay, we have named personality type five the investigator. Oh my gosh. Because more than any other type, fives want to find out why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. They want to understand how the world works, whether it is the cosmos, the microscopic world, the animal, vegetable, or mineral kingdoms, or the inner world of their imaginations. They are always searching, asking questions, and delving into things into depth. They do not accept received opinions and doctrines, feeling a strong need to test the truth of most assumptions for yeah, themselves. Don't, don't tell me the answer. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Behind fives, hey, relentless. Remember, remember when you said you that it was the the tiny person podcast the other day? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't believe you. It was though, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was. I know. Gosh, we were listening to a podcast for our kids called "Little Stories for Tiny People." Still a terrible name. I like it. If you guys have kids, listen to the podcast. It's good. It's like it stories. is a good podcast. It's good. It's good. Great for kids. Um, he he was saying. I said, oh, she doesn't have any advertisements on her show. And then he said, no, she did. There was a milk advertisement. And I said, no, that was the other podcast we were listening to. And he would not back down. He, <laughs> and then he's like, I'll look it up and I'll show you. And I'm like, you don't need to look it up. We can just agree to disagree. Like, <laughs> Oh, it's driving me crazy. And I don't need to know. Oh, oh I had like, to know. If I'm wrong and it wasn't the tiny people, the little stories for tiny people podcast, I don't care. I was dying to know. But you had to know. But that, I was driving. It was driving me crazy. And it was one of those things where I actually really knew I was right that time. <laughs> like, and I don't, I don't admit, I don't usually say like, I know a hundred percent I'm right, but I for sure knew that it wasn't that podcast. Oh, it's driving me crazy. But that's, that's Jocelyn. That's what we fight about. Yeah. We fight about that. I'm like, <laughs> you don't have to go prove me wrong. Like I actually don't care what the answer is. Oh, it's constant work though. I feel like that's a boring answer though. And people are like, of course you don't fight about a lot. That's not true though. We definitely, we get, an, we get, we get annoyed with each other for sure. I think, and I mean, I'm for all the, all the listeners at home, I'm like patting myself on the back right now, <laughs> literally patting myself on the back. Yes. Um, I think that we, we, we bicker and argue at each other, but, um, it never lasts long. No. 
because I guess I think in this way, this is terrible. I'm kind of like my dad where like I'll blow up and be pissed about something. But then like 30 seconds later, I won't care about it anymore. And I'm like, why aren't we still talking about right, this? Right. And I'm like, I've moved on. But I'm like, but I'm still mad. <laughs> yeah. Can we keep talking yeah. about it? So then usually I'm just like, all right, we're done. And then you usually accept it and it's over. I do. Cause you'll be like, are you still mad? Are you still going to be mad about this? Like, Turn it around. Turn your frown upside down. That's what you say. You yeah. say turn your frown upside down. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with Glenn because if he was as stubborn as me, we would be. The fights would last longer. Yeah, but what we fight about, I think, is probably your business. Yeah, for sure. And the kids. It's tough because not the kids. The stress that the kids cause. Yeah, and it's tough because I am in a place right now where, um. This is this is a frustrating point for us. I'm in a place right now where I am still home with our kids a lot. And so I'm st- I'm still taking on this like stay-at-home mom role, but I also work quite a bit role and it's kind of like almost a bit of an identity crisis for me at the moment because I like still identify as a stay-at-home mom, but I I kind of need to really make the shift and transition into having more childcare. It's like I I'm scared to let it go or something. And I'll complain about it. Like, Oh, I can't get everything I want to get done because I'm with the kids and I'm so exhausted by the end of the day. And Glenn has always been like full on supportive, like you get more childcare. And then I say to him like, well, why can't you get the childcare? Like, why do I have to be in charge of the childcare? You know? So those are the kind of things I think with the business that are frustrating as well. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. I I am 100% in an identity crisis of Full-time stay-at-home mom, part-time work-from-home, slash work-out-of-the-home mom, slash full. I should just work full-time person. And my kids should all just be in daycare all the time. Like, I am, like, so in this middle road where, like, I, I'm, i like, it's not that I'm scared to give up the control to someone else to watch my kids. It's that I'm scared to, like, I think take, take the full-on leap to be, like, yes, I work full-time, and this is what I do. Like, I don't, it's, it's a weird place to be when you've, been a stay-at-home mom for the most part for a long time it's hard you know for six years like that has mostly been my role I've always had my hands in something else but like I've been with my kids a lot so it's kind of like and that's definitely a trigger point for us because Glenn will be at work all day and I'll be like well must be nice you've been gone all day (laughs) that break must be nice you know so I'm sure people can relate to that as well Mm -hmm. Okay, Ellie Belly runs. I'm assuming this is Ellen. Ellen says, question for both of you. How do you split up household child care duties and chores? Oh, divide and conquer, right? Yeah. Probably. So we do have a cleaning person that comes once every two weeks. Yeah. And she like deep cleans the bathrooms and vacuums and mops and does that. So every two, once every two weeks, she's there for three hours. So I, we hired her about two years ago. Yeah. But I mean, I guess you do, you do most of the, I do most of the cleaning. You do most of the cleaning then in in between, but then with like the kids, it's usually all hands on deck whenever we're all home. Yeah. Like, so I'm home all day with the kids tomorrow and that that's fine. And then uh, Thursday, I hired a babysitter to come from one to six. So I'll go, I'll be with the kids in the morning on Thursday. I'll go work at one, 
I have an interview at six, but Glenn will be home by six. And so then I'll get home from working yeah, at so like I'll, eight. I'll, I'll do dinner and bedtime tomorrow. Yeah. And then I don't know. It's just divide and conquer really. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like, I'll text Glenn and be like, can you leave work early this day? Or will you be home in time? Like, will you be home by six on this Wednesday so I can schedule an interview at six 30? Because honestly, like I'd really rather not schedule interviews at like eight 30 PM because I really want to be laying in bed watching TV by then. <laughs> Cause I'm tired at the end of the day. Um, so that's what a lot of it is. And my, one of my favorite things about Glenn is that he claims that he doesn't need to be the office hero. <laughs> this is true. And so he realizes that when things need to get done, like he'll just be honest with me and say, no, I'm not available. I have a lot of work that week. Like that's a busy week for us. I can't come home early. But if it's a random Tuesday where there's not a lot going on and he can leave at three, he's cool with bringing his computer home and like answering emails from home the rest of the evening. That's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get deep into it, but I think a lot of that has, um, really shifted in my mind ever since my mom died Mm -hmm. with how I think about things um that in at the end I mean I work for a giant corporation me being there uh present in the office probably doesn't make or break anything as long as you get your stuff done it doesn't really matter but then you I feel like you could say the same about my business as well right it just a bit like in the end what matters though Really? I know, right. right? Like in the end, I could hang this up. Right, like what? What? What really matters though? At the end, you know. Yeah. It, it's, it's. I appreciate a, it's, that about you, though. It's a cynical. It's a cynical way, or like, back to being a five, a nihilistic way to look at things. Like in the end, what do, what really matters? I don't know. Like. Yeah, and people I mean, get all hung up and stressed about like getting something done, but like, or being present, like, but. The two two Tuesdays from now, nobody's going to remember that you were gone at four o'clock on Thursday last week. And and all that to say, like you, I'm not trying to say that I'm a slacker, but right? Like, you it get your stuff it, done. It doesn't matter. Your really. boss respects you and like knows that he can count on you, and it's a, you're in a great Most situation. Most of the shit people worry about don't doesn't matter. Well, and you've also worked at Covance for like nine years, so I think people get wrapped up in details that at the end of the day don't matter. Yeah. But my podcast matters. Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and as a seven, I struggle with that. Beca- right. Because I really want to see my business succeed. And which you should. I mean, it gives purpose and drive to your life. But in yeah. the end, like. You're not an entrepreneur either, though. No, no. But Although like, it's my total plan to like turn you into one. No, but like I said. I've already kind of turned you into one because of Indie Midtown Stay, our Airbnb. That's like your entrepreneurial mm-hmm. pursuit because I, <laughs> I launched an Instagram page for. How's that going for you? Yeah. And I, I ended up telling Glenn, I said, um, by the way, you're going to have to take this over because it's just too much. How, okay. Danny wants to know, can you talk about how you make your marriage work? How do you handle arguments and how does he handle your anxiety? Ooh, poorly sometimes. He handles if my. If I'm honest. He doesn't poorly. understand. That's another, that's another pain point of our. Yeah. Relationship. He doesn't understand my anxiety. I don't. I I am one that struggles with uh, empathizing, I guess, would probably be the, the easiest way to say it. Yeah, like if I'm sick, he's like, you're I fine. I don't take a lot of pity on people. It's really bad, and I just want to cry, and I'm like, I want my mom, yeah. because you're so 
like not nice about it. You think I'm faking it or something when I don't I'm sick. Know. I don't think you're faking it, but I just basically like people deal with it. He doesn't understand the anxiety though. I would say that's in, true. I in don't. the 10 years we've been together, we've been married for 10 years. We've been together for 13. I would say there's been like 10 times total that he's been anxious about something like ever. Oh, I don't know. In 13 yeah. years. I don't know. And it's kind of like a constant battle for me. So he, he just doesn't understand what's going on in my head. So we, we do talk about that a lot though. And like, you don't get anxiety. Like you don't understand my fears and my struggle with that. And so, yeah, that's something that we have to talk through quite a bit. And when I'm like, he can very much tell when something's going on in my head. It's pretty easy to tell. Yeah. He's like, what are you anxious about? Yeah. What happened? Yeah, nothing. No. I don't want to talk about it. Well, and then I say I don't want to talk about yeah. it because I'm afraid you're going to get mad at me yeah. because you're like, just get over it. But that's not how anxiety works. No, I know. I have to work on that. Yeah. Can you talk about if you two set up a marathon that you both would like to race together that is outside of Indy? Ooh, what would we like to race together? It's hard for us to race both race at the same season in the same place if it's out of town because of the kids. I think generally it's best when only one of us is like actually training hard for something. And since I've given my body to children for the past six years, I basically have like the next six years for me. There you go. <laughs> Let me know when I'm allowed to, when I'm allowed to run. I don't even care when I race again. I don't care. Glenn's like straight chilling right now. Yeah. I mean, he likes to exercise a lot. Like he wants I did, to no, run. I did, uh, think I want to do the, uh, it's called the that the bop to the top. Oh, the thing in indie. That's random. I know. I think Isn't I would. Isn't that coming do, up? I think I would do good at it. <laughs> yeah. What is it? It's sometime in January. I need. Oh, to, you're gonna do the bop to the top. I need to Google it. I see that every year. Okay. Do you think the kids could do it? There's no way they could get to the top. There's, I'm gonna carry Russell. That's too many floors. How many floors? It can't be that tall. I, I don't know. It's Indianapolis. Our, our tallest skyscraper can't be that tall. That's probably like 60 floors, right? I think we should do it as a family. Yeah. If I had my phone, I I'm going to wear Sandy. I would effort it. You need to carry Russ. No, because I would try to win. Okay. I'll just walk with all the boys. I don't boys. think I could win, but. Do you, do you not? Who wins? I, I have no idea. I don't know. I have to look up the know. results. Because I'm big into doing the stair stuff Yeah, right you now. should you should for sure do it. Okay. Glenn's th- signing up for Bob. <laughs> Glenn's, tra- <laughs> Glenn's training for Bob to the top <laughs> in Indy. <laughs> That's what he's training for. What, I thought it would be fun. What beers do you prefer in breweries that you would like to visit? Well, right now I'm drinking a local um, beer from Metazoa, which is on the uh, near downtown. It's um, This is a, the Hippopotamus IPA. I drink a lot of uh, IPAs and pails, I guess, is what I prefer. Um, what would I like to visit, though? I'm trying to stay away from beer because I'm working on my mom bod. Oh, okay. I'm working on de-mom-bodied myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why I'm, that's why I'm converting to Michelob Ultra. Cut down on those carbs. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have anything particular that I want to visit. I mean, we've been out to Russian River. I'd like to go back there, though. Oh, that was when we only had one. Yeah. Kid. That was probably one of the best trips I had in a long time. That was a lot of fun. Uh, anxiety was riding high because that was the week before my mastectomy. You did a good job hiding it. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. Su- I was literally scheduled to have a double mastectomy the next Saturday, and I no, was I like, a lot of, super anxious about yeah, that. Yeah, no, you did a good job hiding it. Oh, good. Good to know. So I guess I would like to go back out to um, Northern California and visit some breweries out there. So let us know if you want to babysit our kids. Yeah. Because we don't want to take them. Correct. Because <laughs> I'm not buying five plane tickets. 
Well, then I don't want to deal with them. Yeah, that yeah. too. I think that's probably all we have time for because we've gone quite we've gone quite long on this podcast. I hope that people like this. What do uh, you think? Do you think people are going to like this? I hope so. I mean, I'm pretty engaging. Hopefully that they get past your talkiness. <laughs> oh, gosh. Guys, you can hear this more often. And it- even like un- more uncensored format. I had a lot of pressure from the boss today. You dropped the F-bomb. I win. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Just when? a little bit ago. Well, we can did. bleep it. I will bleep it. That's a good idea. Yeah, I'll use my it. editing skills. You know how I do that? I, when I'm editing, I go to YouTube. And I, I this, just, I did this for, pa- no, this sounds real ghetto. I did this for Patreon because you, we gave, we said my, um, password for my debit card. I go to YouTube and I click and I type in like bleep out sound. <laughs> There's probably a bleep out sound in audacity. Probably. <laughs> and then I push play and then I hit record on audacity and I put it in that way. So this, that's real ghetto. I'm going to bleep out your F word so that I, I don't, don't have to remember, mark it as explicit. I don't remember dropping the F bomb, but did, I'm sure I did. For sure. Um, as long as Lewis doesn't say it, we're good. Uh, we're struggling He's with that. He's got a potty mouth. Let's just be authentic here. Let's He's just be got a real big potty hashtag mouth. Hashtag real life. Well, the Our four-year-old part, has a problem with the F word. And he uses it in the right context. Yeah. He <laughs> says, F and Marshall. F and Marshall. Uh, I'm not proud. No. You no. know who's not proud is my mom. Oh, yeah. She's got a real problem with the potty mouth. Yeah. yeah. I I've always been really lousy. And you fair. know who she's judging is you. I'm, not not me. And not Lewis. <laughs> I I've always been really laissez faire, but I know it's not right and I'm actually I'm trying to work on That's it. That's another pain point, Jocelyn, is Lindsay's laissez fairness with parenting sometimes. Yeah, because I'm just like I give up. Yeah. Oh, you're coloring on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. You just like. You as just, long as you're not bothering me, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I get home and I'm like, what the hell happened here? Oh, there's flour all over the <laughs> kitchen floor, but they're having fun. So yeah. <laughs> like I already have to clean it up. So I might as well let them like relish in the fun for another 20 minutes. <laughs> like that's kind of how I think about things. And I know I need to teach my kids to like respect our stuff and our property. But sometimes it's just like gosh what the heck like I don't know there's paint on the floor like I there I don't want my kids to remember me as the mom that just yelled at them all the time which I tell them that all the time I'm like just listen and I won't have to yell at you all the time but I also know that I can't raise a bunch of jackasses so I don't know there's got to be a balance somewhere we'll figure it out in the meantime if you come visit our house there has been crayon on our living room wall for at least a year behind it's the couch. It's been a while. And the artwork. I can't figure out how to get it off. I haven't even tried. haven't even thought about it. Exactly. <laughs> like, I've been trying to get it off. And you're have like, you really, though? A couple times. What did you try with? A couple of different cleaning solutions, and they didn't work. Well, I used to have a good housekeeping book that was like Martha Stewart's like way to do everything. And you probably threw it away in your declutter challenge. Yeah, well, actually, my aunt got it for me for our wedding, and last year I was like, I haven't opened this book since we got married, and we've been married for 10 years, so guess what? Bye. And now we could use it. But see, I thought about that. I actually thought about it. Like, probably six or seven times since the coloring got on the wall, I thought, you know what? I should get out that book and see how to get crayon off the wall, and I never did, and since I never did it, I got rid of the book, and the crown's still on the wall. Uh, The what's on the wall? The crayon. 
There you go, the crayon. All right, Glenn, what's um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? No books. No books. What is one thing professionally or personally you'd like to accomplish that you haven't accomplished yet? Get my MBA. Okay. Starting that? In January here in a couple of days. All right. And that's a two-year this is, program. This is coming out on Friday? Yep. I will be attending my uh, orientation dinner the day the episode's released. And he is going to orientation all day on Saturday from 8 not, to 3. Not all day. That's 8 to 3. Not all day. That is all day in my book. Kind of. So if anybody wants to come babysit yeah. or keep me company, just let me know. Yeah. I'll be hanging out with four kids. Who is someone that you want to have? Who is someone motivating, fun, or inspiring that you want to have coffee or cocktail with? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. I told, I said Elaine last time. Elaine from Seinfeld. Yeah, okay. Julia Louis-Dreyfus because she's funny. Okay. Also a breast cancer survivor. She probably donates to the Donna Foundation. She might. She does. So she, she is a breast cancer survivor. Be like Julia Louis-Dreyfus, guys. Donate. In the show notes, lindsayhine.com. <laughs> Good plug. Pick someone. Somebody that I want to have a drink with? Coffee, cocktail, tea, water. Why can't it just be you? You could go for a run with this person. I just. Why can't it just be you? You're with me every day. I know, but I like to hang out. You're the person I like to hang out with the right. most. I guess. Like, I that I don't really, I never You like would that. really choose me. Yeah, I never like that would. question. That's actually probably the truth. Yeah. <sighs> like, that's like, so, like, the cheat, like, the that BS game that people play, like, with their spouses, like, the cheat game or oh, whatever. Oh, Glenn like, hates that game. Do you I guys play that? I can't stand that thing. Like, Our friend Steve and Stacey used to play that. I can't stand it. Where it's like, you have a, you have a pass on some famous like, person no. that if you're going to cheat on your spouse. Like you don't know that person. Like you don't, you don't know anything. really want to. It's a kind of a joke though. But, but no, people aren't joking about it though. I think they're joking. I don't think the people are. So you're thinking like if, if your cheat was like Scarlett Johansson, like if you had the opportunity to cheat on me with her, that like, I actually think you would actually do that. Cause I don't think you would. So, Oh no. Okay, so no, I, I would want to sit in on a podcast recording of, well, it's now the Sub Beacon now. It used to be the Sub Standard, but it's now the Sub Beacon. I'd want to sit on a podcast recording of Who's that. Who's the host? Or a, or a podcast recording of, part of my part of my take. Who's the host? So that's the Sunny Bunch podcast. Sunny Bunch. You guys, we almost named Sandy <laughs> Sunny. So it's because of Sunny Bud. So it's three guys and they talk about like pop culture and movies. Do you like have a do you have a uh uh fantasy of like being on the mic with them? And, like, I think I got a in. I think I have like a similar like vein of like comedy okay. where I could like fit right in. You could join in. Yeah. Is that dream big? Is that what you want to do with your life, Glenn? No, that's not what, but like you <laughs> wanted an answer, that's my answer. Okay, I like that. Yeah. But back to the uh, the past game, you wouldn't cheat on me with Scarlett Johansson. No. 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 Do you really think people are serious about that? I don't think, I mean, obviously people cheat, but like, I don't think our friends are serious. No, but like, why take the time to like, think about it? Like, it's not going to happen. You don't know those people. It's just because you love me so much. Like, I had a really hard time coming up with an answer. Like, I don't know. I don't really care. I just want to hang out with you. Because oh, I'm pretty boring. <laughs> Look at that. I know, actually, a lot of times when we have, like, our supper club or do something with friends, he's like, can we just go out to dinner? Yeah. Just like, the two of us? Yeah. Um, okay, Glenn, what is uh, one message you like to send to the world? What is one message you'd like to send to the world or the people listening to the, this podcast? 
Uh, you got a lot. Your voice is in a lot of headphones right oh now. Oh man, the pressure's on. So don't don't take things so seriously. It'll mm. all work out in the end. But what if it doesn't? It will. Or it'll just be. Yeah, whatever's gonna happen's gonna happen. Don't don't stress about it. Do you know what my message to send to the world was when I was asked this question? I don't. I listened to that podcast. I don't remember what the message was. What do you think it would be? Probably something about being kind to other people. Don't be complacent. There you go. That makes sense. My seven and me. Yeah. Don't think that your life has to be just how it is and you can decide to make changes. Happy so my message would be the world doesn't live on the internet. So be present. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I hope that you found this enjoyable and that we brought you some entertainment on your run, on your commute, doing laundry. Hey, Go donate to the Donna Foundation on my fundraising page. I have it. I'm like just about to break a thousand and my goal is 10,000. So if you are available to hop on your computer and throw up a $5, $10, you know, 500, whatever. Thousand, you know. Thousand dollar donation. Whatever you're, whatever. whatever you're in for. Yeah, whatever you're in for. Uh, go do that right now. Don't delay because I have until February 10th. And I really, really want to make a big difference. Uh, and I want to support that foundation. Also, if you want to do that race, you guys, uh, I'll be there. So we can hang out, go for a run. If if you want to. We don't we don't have to. You might not want to go for a run with me. <laughs> 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 but use the code Lindsay15 because that'll get you 15% off of the race. You guys, happy new year. Happy new year. But yeah, for real, guys, thanks for being here today. And um, thanks for listening over the past couple years. And I'm hoping that you guys all have some big goals and exciting things going on in 2019 as well. And guess what? Don't be complacent, but be content with your life. That's my message. Don't be complacent, but be content. You don't always have to be doing something. Your Maybe life. I'm saying that to myself. Your life is now. <laughs> Bye, guys.